Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I dreamed last night of a many-evening'd realm where starlight shone on several plains and golden beams warmed from myriad suns. I ran to a river, or the river ran to me, somehow both and somehow neither, pouring itself through clearing and glade I followed to banks of emerald dew where mists swirled and rested, swirled and lifted to reveal the moon underwater. Prisms of light do chime with their spectra. The new year hence here in the correct realm. Welcome to the Moon Underwater. I'm John Robbins, landlord of a pub beyond time, a pub beyond desire, where people can create whatever their innermost needings do paint on the canvas of want. Uh, Basically, uh, this is a place where we invite guests to create their dream pub. I'm the landlord, but here, as always, completing the triumvirate with only two people, uh, which is called a a two-umvirate of the Moon Underwater. It's the lovely Robin, my regular steed. Hello, Robin. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for that lovely introduction. Uh, Lots of needings here, ready to be painted on the wall of uh, want. Yes. Yes. Well, speaking of needings, New Year, what's a sort of a nice archaic term for New Year we could use? Um, uh, what, what do they say in Old Lang Syne? I don't know, really. Let's try and find a nice term. What about Beltane? No, um, what's the word for spring in the, in the Celtic calendar? Oh, it's Epiphanies. Epiphanies is nice. Epiphany is the start of Jan. Well, speaking of needings, Robin, we find ourselves amidst the epiphanies of the year Mm. um, because it's uh, the start of Jan. And 
here's the big question, clumping in its muddy boots through the door without wiping. Is there a dry in front of your jam this year? Yes, there is, but uh, I started it on the 2nd. Because I've always liked New Year's Day. Mm. I think like, New Year's Day is a nice relaxing day. A bit like Boxing Day, where you know all, all the kind of chaos is out of the way now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We had loads of booze left over from Christmas, so, you know, may as well drink it, have a nice roast dinner. Well, also, New Year's Day, I think, this year was followed by a Sunday. Then there was a bank holiday Monday, so it sort of it did feel quite relaxing. I also had a lot of booze left because my New Year's Eve guest, who shall remain nameless, had a dicky tum. Oh, really? Yeah. So didn't drink... Uh, didn't really touch much of the booze I had brought for him. So He didn't get a dicky tum from the booze, did he? No, no, just mm. as as he arrived. Mm. He was bedicked, betummed. Bedicked. Um, uh, so I just gave all of... I, my neighbour's uh, son and his wife are staying for epiphanies. Mm. Uh, they're over from France. So they're not doing dry jam, so I just took round an enormous sort of bag for life full of beer and cider and whiskey and vodka and Kahlua. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, said, have this because I need to get it out of the house. So I'm sure. I'm, I'm fully dry jammed. I'm fully jabbed. Nice. I, 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 I do like that. I, I mean, we don't, I don't go to the extreme of giving booze to my neighbours, but I do, I do quite like the ritual of taking it all out of the fridge and putting it in a cupboard somewhere. Yeah, well, I was going to pour it all down the sink. I usually just chuck it away and I thought, it's ridiculous, there's about 50 quids worth of booze here. Yeah. I, I've only done, like, so we're recording this on the fourth, so this is the third day, but yeah, it's been fine. I've, I find that I've been, I, I've done, I did a lot of walking on the 2nd of January, which was quite fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, just stuff to kind of occupy your mind, occupy your body, your B-O-D-Y. What about you, John? What have you been doing? Well, um, I've been going to bed very, very early. So, like, I mean, literally seven. Um, getting into bed at seven, I go to sleep at seven. Yeah. But I think, you know, I, my experience from years past is you can't just sit on your hands for a whole month. You no. can't just sit there thinking I can't drink I can't drink you have to have stuff in place mm. so I've uh been learning uh well, increasing my learning on cryptic crosswords lovely uh, I managed to complete one unaided in under half an hour today oh wow well done which is also nice because you can kind of see how your mind is getting more active and mm. uh sort of better thinking uh, without the fog of booze. Do you find after doing them for a long time, you kind of get um, a bit like, you know, when you start seeing the world in Tetris shapes, when you play too much Tetris? I find if I do too many crosswords, I start thinking everything everyone says is a clue. <laughs> Maybe it is. No, I've not got to that sort of mania yet. Okay. But I do sometimes get a bit snow blind with the old crosswords after one or two. Yeah, sure. Um, also, like... You have to understand what your body is going through and and preempt it. So, for example, your sleep is really disrupted. So you, I, I, I remember I interviewed um, uh, Tom Bradby once uh, and he's had struggled with insomnia for years. And he said, you know, one of the ways he dealt with it is when he knew he wasn't going to sleep, he would just go, OK, I'm just going to lie down and rest. Mm. I'm not going to fight it or stress about it. I'm just going to think, right, you've got six hours rest. So that's a really good technique for when, because what happens with me um, when I'm going without booze is I'll go to sleep and then wake up 10 minutes later, mm. feeling like I've just sort of had a power nap with my heart going. So I just think, okay, 
that's where we're at. I'm just going to lie down and rest. And that makes getting back to sleep much easier. But also understanding that you're you're removing so much sugar and carbs and calories from the evenings that your body is going to crave like sweet things. It's going to crave crappy foods and not to be too hard on yourself if you indulge in a few of those things. Absolutely. Because if you think a bottle of wine and two pints is probably a thousand, a thousand calories. Mm. So, you know, if you have a chocolate bar and a bag of crisps or a piece of toast, that's not that's not too bad. Yeah, and there's so much chalky left over from Christmas, so that has been quite nice, actually. <laughs> yeah, But I did this tremendous walk. I went miles on my walk the other day where I went up to Earl's Court because I'd never been to Brompton Cemetery. Have you ever been there? No, I haven't. It's really beautiful. It's one of the, London's great cemeteries. And I went there because there's this mausoleum there, which is rumoured to be a time machine. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. No. It's a, it's a really beautiful mausoleum. It like sticks out like a sore thumb. I thought I'd like never find it. But it's this huge mausoleum that was from the Victorian era when they were very, very into Egyptology. So there's loads of hieroglyphs around it. And it's called the Courtois Mausoleum. Ah. It's very, very, very strange. It was a very eerie atmosphere. And then I walked from Earl's Court to, to Battersea, where I went down the street where the Battersea poltergeist was rumoured to haunt. If you've uh, anyone listening has uh, heard the podcast, which is really worth listening to. So I had a kind of... And then I walked to Brixton. So I walked like seven miles. And did you see lots of pubs on your way? And how did you feel? I saw very many pubs, some of which looked incredible. And I saw lots of kind of ghost pubs, you know, pubs which have been converted to houses and things like that. But I did walk past one in Brixton called the Duke of Edinburgh, which looked really amazing. Just these pubs you come across. So strange. But yeah, it was a, it was a really good um, kind of a psychogeographical walk, if you will, uh, through London. But definitely really good to do if you kind of... Uh, you just fancy going to the pub. <laughs> you know, take yourself out for a little uh, urban exploration. You know. So if any uh, of you in the other realm are doing Dry January, we support you and wish you all the best. And do feel free to send in on the Mist Mail any of your uh, coping techniques, any of your little tips and tricks and hacks of how you get through Dry Jan. Um, and speaking of the missed mail, Robin, I, I heard an enormous sigh earlier. There must have been a big bundle of post. <laughs> yeah, it was one of my best sighs. Yes, it was the it was the the bridge of sighs. I did the bridge of sighs this morning for the mist. We've had some lovely mists in. This one from Asia. Uh, email subject, Guinness. Lovely stuff. Dear John and Robin, I just wanted to write with one second-hand memory and one report back. Years ago, my mum used to talk about a magical old pub tucked under Piccadilly, which served the best Guinness in London in the 70s, but she could never think of the name. I tried searching online, but nothing. You recommended Poor Me by A.A. Gill, and as I was reading, the very same pub was mentioned, Ward's Irish House. So that Ward's Irish House closed in the 80s, but you can look it up online, and it does look absolutely stunning. And it's also mentioned in a book that I'm going to do on the pub library one day, which is Ian Nairns, Nairns London. He's a 60s journalist. And he wrote this great kind of very idiosyncratic book about traveling across London, some of his favorite things, um, including abandoned gasworks, dock cranes, suburban gardens, East End markets, Hawksmoor churches, 
a gothic cinema and 27 different pubs he mentions in this book. Oh, nice. So we should definitely do the this in the pub library and we should definitely do an Ian Nairn uh, pub crawl one day. But um, Aisha goes on to say, on, also on the subject of Guinness, after hearing PJ O'Connor's in Wood Green mentioned, I decided to pop in as it's just down the road from me. My friend's Irish partner gave me another tip-off about it. Apparently it's run by the old manager of the Boston Arms in Tufnell Park. It was everything we had hoped for. Everyone in there was Irish. They had both football and darts playing on TVs. The obligatory Tato's crisps. A pool table suitably weathered ladies and gentlemen propping up the bar and get this three ninety for a pint and a nice ale at that. I'm not sure if the reveal was bleak or magnificent. It has a dingy industrial estate on one side and a bus garage on the other, but for us it was a wonderful oasis. I don't even drink the black stuff, but for some reason I feel strongly about drinking in pubs which serve good Guinness. Thanks, as always, for the recommendations, literary and otherwise. All the best, Aisha. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, but that's such a great email. And worth uh, pointing out to our, well, just a shout out to our Irish listeners because they brought in minimum alcohol pricing uh, as of today, I think, or as of yesterday. And they were doing insane, like, deals on Guinness. You could get 24 cans for, like, nine euros before it came in, which seems rather irresponsible <laughs> yeah. um and they've now uh sort of sh- gone up a bit in price i mean cards on the table i actually agree with minimum alcohol pricing having uh sp- spoken to a lot of experts about what works and what doesn't to uh, improve public health however that said i understand it's very frustrating if suddenly your favorite tipple is 20 percent more expensive so do email us via the mist john at moonunderpod.com with either your dry jan factoids or what it's like in ireland now that um the minimum pricing has come in Mm. yeah please do this is a really nice one from steve dear robins robin slash s like that i do enjoy your lovely program i love calling it a program that's nice (laughs) and your sisyphian quest for the perfect pub I feel the need to draw your attention to an attribute of the magical hostelry, modest but important, that's not so far been addressed, the subtle balance of lighting. In the daytime, the great pub is always darker than the world outside, plunging you into a murky, womb-like comfort. At night, it's always lighter, a safe haven from the threatening shadows of the night. The curious thing is that the transition from light exterior dark pub to dark exterior bright pub is instantaneous. The theoretical moment of equipoise when the world outside and the pub within (laughs) are both equally luminous has never been witnessed by any pub goer, nor will it ever be. We call this imaginary, in the mathematical sense, point of change, civilised twilight. Love, Steve. Oh. That's brilliant. Oh. Oh, lordy. I tell you what, if you look into different types of twilight, there are quite a few... Because when I'm looking into when it'll still be light enough to play golf, mm. there's civil twilight, there's nautical twilight, ah. there's a couple of other twilights, and the stages of twilight are quite sort of well demarcated. Nice. So each comes a few minutes after the last. Uh, but I do, I do love that equipoise. <laughs> yeah, civilized twilight's a nice name for a pub too. Yes, the civilized twilight. Don't mind that one bit. Uh, well, folks, our guest approaches, and uh, what a corker we have this week. So thank you for all your correspondence. Keep it coming to John at Moon Under Pod. I'm going to now go, and what am I going to do? I'm going to heave some tabards 
no, that's the name of another. That's the name of a pub. I'm going to heave some barrels hither and thither to get my strength up um, to open the door, which today is about three feet thick. Uh, so I'm going to get uh, get heaving. Do get creating your mist to send to us, and also head over to moonunderpod.com for the merchandise that's now available, and also to find out about benefits for Patreon members. Oh, Robin, I'm pleased with how I've got those brasses shining. You could see your mind in them, couldn't you, mm, Just? And I can. I can actually see some of my hopes in the uh, in the diamond one and some of my fears in the fear one. That's very clever. Yeah. <laughs> but I wonder yes. what this week's guest will see in our elaborate brasses, because I can feel those murmurations amongst the starlings. And also, you know, you, know you get cathedrals of crows... What do you mean? Oh, is it a murder of crows? Yeah, a murder of crows, yeah. Which no one ever says. They, they only ever say it to tell you that the collective noun is a murder of crow, no, crows. No one ever says, oh, that's a murder of crows, do they? Do you know what I mean? Well, there's actually a, a crow of murders uh, flying <laughs> past uh, the window of yeah. the moon underwater tonight, signalling nice. the arrival of this week's guest, ladies and gentlemen, entering the door of the moon underwater, the fantastic Sindhu V. Hello, Sindhu. Hello. How are you doing? I, I'm, you know, it's what English people call, I'm like three steps from being trolleyed. I've been drinking uh, for a few hours before I got on this podcast, which is not like me. I don't like to drink at work, but stuff happened. People, a very close friend came over and I started drinking. What can I tell you? Talk us through. What time did you Yeah, start what have you had today? so far today? Well, okay. So this friend of mine came over. So I met, I first met him when I was 10 years old. Um, we both found ourselves in boarding school, uh, which is not like English boarding school. This was in India. It's not like where your parents send you because they're like, we're fed up of kids. It's just where you go because there's no good school in the na- in the city you live in. Um, I say that because I realize that living in England, when you say I've been to boarding school, people think you're what is called bosh. Um, very often it's just what is called not illiterate in India because a lot of places in India, your parents could work where you, there's no good school. Anyway, I met him there when I was 10. He was an asshole. Um, even at 10, I was like, this guy's an asshole. He was also very small. And I was like, this guy's a small but big asshole. Wait, I don't think you can slag off a 10-year-old for being small and being an asshole. I think. <laughs> well, I was 10. So okay. between 10-year-olds, you know enough, an asshole. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. guy's an asshole. Um, and then we didn't, we weren't friends. And then I was there for six months only because we were really there for my elder sister. And then I moved to wherever my parents were. And then I came back in the ninth grade when I was 14. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy is still small, but an asshole. Um, and then I was not his friend. He was the coolest kid in class. It was an American-based boarding school. So a lot of, like, high school stuff. And he was very cool and this and that. But he was literally tiny. And I was getting – I was very tall at that time. I was 5'8", which in India is tall for a girl. And then I was the teacher's pet – because as John will know, I kind of have that vibe. Like I'm very studious or whatever. Right, John? I think people think that about me in com- in comedy, that I'm very academic. 
Well, I think you you take comedy seriously. That's not to say that you're not very funny and great company, but you, you I think you have a sort of an analytical approach to your life. hundred percent. And I had that when I was young. And then, so I was a teacher's pet. And I was the English teacher's pet, Mr. Weidman, Mr. David Weidman. We did theatre in English with him. And the way he made us get into theatre in English uh, was he made us write a journal. It was a personal journal. And no one could read it but him. And my job one day, he said to me, which he would never have said if I wasn't his pet, teacher's pet. He said, could you take these journals down to my office? Of course, I read this guy's journal. And his journal was all like, I have feelings for this girl and she doesn't like me. And I was like, this guy is an asshole. He's a jerk. So I not only read his entire journal, I then would walk past him in school and repeat lines from it just into his ear and then run off. Oh, who's the asshole now? Yeah, this could go... Hey, I have never I have never so far said I am not an asshole. I've yeah. never said that. <laughs> this is the it kind of thing that goes around on, on Twitter that am I the asshole, you know, that thing. No, I am the asshole. By the way, I just want to say, right, hands up, hands up. People can't see me in the park. I am an asshole, but I've never said I was, I never said I was an asshole. So I would walk past him and be like, I have feelings for this girl. <laughs> My dad wasn't nice to me. And then I would run away. He did not appreciate this at all. And then one day he confronted me, but he like he confronted my knees, whatever. He was very short. You know, I had words, he had words. I was like, blah, 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 blah. It was like, and I was, I had no boyfriends. I was easily the most unattractive and unappealing and unwanted girl in the class. He was oh the coolest. God. Oh, You'll by far. Heart. By far, by far. There used to be school dances and the boys would come and ask the girls and there would be a point at which there was the wall and me. All the girls would have been asked. But he was very cool. So I was like, I'll show you cool. I know your dad doesn't like you. So that didn't work well for him. But he had a respect for that. He, Because, you know, to be the cool kid in an American high school type situation, you have to be kind of a bully. So he understood that he had respect for it. And then we recognized each other as both very afraid of losing, of, you know, of just not being cool and we became very great friends and he I met him after he was a very dear friend of mine um there's so many stories I could tell you about him but the main story is that he was one of the witnesses at my wedding and in Judd Hall in Camden and uh yeah I haven't seen him for 12 years so he came over today and I was like oh my god I've got this new cranberry liquor gin thing from Sainsbury's Oh, let's try some. And he was like, yeah. And then it just kind of, you know, continued from there. Whoa. So in answer to the question, cranberry gin. <laughs> no, the question was, when did you start? It was like, no, that's true. That's true. Hours ago. Oh, this wow. is going to be so much fun. <laughs> talking so through your choices. <laughs> well, I, I, I wanted to start by... Asking you, Cindy. I'm so sorry. Am I already like totally like the worst? No, you're the dream. You're okay. the absolute <laughs> dream. And the moon underwater welcomes you. But I wanted to start by asking, I was sort of trying to tot up all the places you've lived, worked or studied. And it really is an incredible, like already, even at quite a young age, you've, you've been to Canada, India, Philippines, Chicago, Oxford. And I had a two part question. What's your favourite pub in Oxford? <laughs> well, well, no, the question is, what have you learned about different drinking cultures and does anywhere come close to the Oxford pub experience? Okay, so a couple of things I'll say. I never went to a pub while I was at Oxford. Never. <gasps> I know. Um, I was a international student. Um, I didn't have a lot of money. I was, I was what the English call a bursary girl. 
So the thing with the scholarship that I was on was it covered your living and then it gave you uh, X amount of pounds in the year to live. What that meant was if I needed spending money, like, for example, there was a dessert um, at Bella Pasta that I loved. It had brownies and stuff and it's called The Godfather. If I wanted to eat that, I had to get money from somewhere else because my money just covered what I, you know, basic stuff. So for that reason, the only place you could legally earn money was the library. And that was only on Friday and Saturdays because all the other people were at the pub. So I actually worked in the library. I never went to a pub for the two years that I was at Oxford. What a loser. But I had money. Well, the thing is, as sad as I am for you, I totally get that because I remember the international students at our college. I, I, I remember saying Did something. Did you what? go to Oxford? Yeah. What college did you guys go to? We were both at St. Anne's. St. Anne's. I was Corpus. Ooh. But I, I remember saying, like, why do you never see the Japanese students and the students from Singapore in the bar? And someone said, it's because it's costing them 40 grand a year to come. So they're working. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even, it didn't cost me anything because I was all on scholarship. I'd got a scholarship for studying and scholarship from Corpus, but I just didn't have spending money. Yeah. And I had to make, and also I had to fly back to India and I needed to pay for that. So I know this sounds very, you know, sort of sentimental, but it wasn't because also you have to remember, I didn't, I didn't drink. So, I mean, I drank, but it's not like, you know, but I didn't have it. I didn't come from a drinking culture. I really leaned into fucking alcohol at the age of 26, at which point right. I was in Chicago. <laughs> wow. You're a late bloomer. What was it like sort of finding your drinking legs in Chicago? Well, I mean, I did drink alcohol and so, but it wasn't my big thing. Smoking was my big thing. Um, I met a man. Uh, always a man. I, 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 in Chicago, I met a bunch of Europeans, Portuguese, uh, Scandinavians, French, and they all were like into wine and champagne. And one of them, um, I went, you know, I went, we had gone out, all of us as a group and one of the, and everyone had a date. And like I said, I, you know, just boys just weren't that into me. I mean, I had a boyfriend at that stage, but no one at, at, at the time, everyone had a date. And I was like, I don't have a date. So there was this Scandinavian and I was like, you're my date. And I was a bit aggressive, but he was like, okay, fine. And then he introduced me to champagne because it was someone's wedding. One of the students had got married to the other student. Um, and the student who got married is actually happens to be my do my middle child's godfather. But that's by the by, that was his first marriage. This is his fourth, but let's not bring that up. Um, so I was introduced to champagne, but the thing is, I kind of thought I liked this boy because he didn't speak. My, oh, John, you're getting such honesty from me here. Um, my, the, if you appeal to me as a man, if you were so emotionally distant that I literally had to do cartwheels to get your attention. And this was this guy. Did you, did you read his diary as well to, to help out? The <laughs> no, he had no diary because he had no emotions. He was like, why would I need a diary? I read the Financial Times. I don't need the diary. So he gave me champagne and that's when I drank champagne. And I also realized that when you drink, at the age of 26, I realized that when you drink, you don't get worried about what you do after. Mm. And that is literally, not only did I lean into booze, I leaned into sex. Oh my God, and how. And it was fantastic. <laughs> I've never regretted a moment of it. Oh my God. <laughs> And how? Whoa. <laughs> well, it's a it's a double edged sword, though, isn't it? 
not not thinking about or not caring what you do after you drink. No, it can... There's not many double that. I mean, as long as you don't murder someone, that's bad. Yeah, I think we probably have a slightly different relationship with shame. Yeah, I vividly remember my experience, uh, like in Freshers' Week or in my first year at uni, where I was so unfamiliar with feel- feeling hungover that I'd wake up and feel so awful that I'd just assume I must have done something wrong. So I'd like text my friend, sorry, I'd text my friend, sorry about last night. They'd go, what's, what, you didn't do anything, what's the matter? And it was, it was just the kind of shame. Yeah, I, I, I will say two things. And one speaks to one of the questions that John asked. I didn't drink like an English person. I didn't drink to the point where I didn't know what had happened. English people, and I say this with utmost respect, I have three kids who are, let's face it, English. I can't even deny it. My eldest, he's an English boy, 20. He drinks in a way that every time the guy gets out and drinks with his friends, I think, I ask him, Did, were you trying to commit suicide? Is that what you were trying to do? Because frankly, what you don't need to drink that much, but they get blathered. I mean, it's like out of control, but they love it. And I think, you know, I have a lot of respect for the way my children, my son drinks. He drinks like an Englishman. I didn't drink like that. I'm an Indian. I came to drinking late. I also don't have a huge capacity to hold booze. So I vomited early in the evening. I would just start vomiting, which kept me sane. The other thing I will say is that I was not 21. I was 26. That's a big difference. I was 26. I was in a PhD program. So yeah, I had like, it was the start of my, I mean, like my, the jet fuel of my slag phase in life was booze. (laughs) But I was 26. You know what I'm saying? The jet fuel of my slag phase is a great phrase. (laughs) Um, I honestly think there is something in Norse, Scandinavian, Celtic, English genetics that mean you start drinking early and you don't stop till you pass out because it's warmth and it's community. And in so, for example, this is why you know, the great 24-hour licensing experiment didn't work in the UK like it does in Spain or in Italy or in south of France because we're in such a rush. And I think it's it's in our sort of medieval, even our pre-medieval DNA to just rush towards that glow. 100%. I, I mean, I, I cannot deny it. Um, I, have, I have a great, I mean, I don't have a great, but I have a, I'm a bit immersed in Scandinavian culture and British culture, uh, drinking culture. And I will say that there's 100% that alcohol energizes and beautifies and melts in these cultures in a way that it doesn't in India. Mm. India's hot. Everything's melting. We don't need booze. Yeah. And we're so full of feelings all the time. In fact, if anything, you would like someone to drink in India and fucking just pass out. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's the opposite. In Scandinavia, you want people to drink, so they tell you that they have feelings. So with all these different international experiences and influences, what would your dream pub or bar, what would it look like? What do you want to see when you walk in? I want to see a very, very British pub. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a pub. I don't, you know, bars, there's the bar, there's the bar, the Savoy, you know, the American bar, the Savoy, whatever, bars are bars. A pub, a pub is a very unique thing. It doesn't exist in Scandinavia. It doesn't exist anywhere else that I've been besides, I would, I mean, of course, I'm sure it exists in other parts of the UK, but in Britain, you know, 
it's kind of musty. The moment you walk in, you know, I'm in a pub. It's that smell of, now you can't smoke inside, but it still smells like someone has been smoking inside. There's carpets. The bathroom's always about 14 degrees colder than any other part <laughs> yes, of it. Yes, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Such a good point. It sort of freshens you up. Whatever. Uh, that's happening. There's usually, I would say, between four and five people there. Of, you know, could be, uh, It could be any gender who have been there and are kind of annoyed that you're there because they know you're not from there. They're like, ugh. But they're there. And they also take a very long time over one drink. But, you know, they've been there all day. So they're like, you're like, wow, this is how they've got through it. Smells musty. It has. So this is the like ideal. It's not ideal when we come to the question of what alcohol I would like in this place. But they never have high, high quality whiskey. They have a whiskey. And you're like, oh, I got to go with this one, you know. Um, and they're always a little bit. Like, what do you need? Tell us the thing. Don't make a fucking fuss. That's to me the like when I go in like when I go in there, I feel a certain safety. Like you know when I was once I had a boyfriend and he went to work in Turkey. Whatever he was not even that successful. I don't even know why I went to Turkey to see him, but I did. And I I'm, I'm very strict vegetarian. I went there and he had to go to work work like whatever. Anyway, he had to go to this work thing and I was alone and I didn't know anything about Turkey, but I knew McDonald's. So I went into McDonald's and they were like, blah, 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 Turkish language, don't understand anything. I was like, French fries. They were like, sure. That's how I feel when I go into a pub like this. I know where I am. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, I'm Adam Hurry, host of Football Clichés, a truly unique podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Twice a week, my guests and I tear apart the language of football, the words, the phrases, the mannerisms and the weird habits of everyone involved in the game. From the shoes that football pundits are legally required to wear 
to the didn't play for Sam Allardyce's Bolton but really should have done 11, Football Clichés explores all the tiny things that you didn't realise you cared about, but believe me, you do. Speaking of how safe you feel when people pull pints, given that you're not a beer drinker, what are your two draft selections for your dream pub? So I once dated a boy briefly, very briefly. Uh, he liked Guinness. Is that something as a draft? It is. But you could also get um, cider or you could have a soft drink or you could have wine. They do wine on draft yeah, but these they don't... days. Oh, do they? No, no, no. Yeah. Okay, so one is Guinness for your draft question. One is Guinness. And one is some pubs have something called IPA. Yes, they do. Yeah, so those are the two drafts. Because I know, because I've been around people who drink this and the people who drink this. Okay, so the Guinness guy was just hot. I was just wanting to get in his pants. So I don't know what it's like, whatever. But the IPA people are quite interesting people. Okay. <laughs> so that's what I'll say about draft. <laughs> Sorry, Robin. Am I so... Sh- you know, people don't appreciate how shallow and vain I am. They just don't appreciate it. And then they get me on a podcast and they're like, and they're like, oh, really? I mean, every time I do a f- podcast with someone who thinks like, like some women's feminist thing, they realize how vain I am. And they're like, <laughs> actually, can you get off the podcast? <laughs> Sindhu, could you nominate me to select the specific IPA? Yes, please. Because I recently had an experience where I had a, I, I was at a golf club and they only had one ale and it was Rebellion IPA. And my heart sort of sank because I'd had it before and I didn't like it. And I had it and it was absolutely amazing. And mm. I realised that the first time I'd had it, I just had a badly kept pint. And it was absolutely delicious. And it's a local brewery uh, to me, the Marlow Brewery. So I'm going to, on your behalf, pick Rebellion IPA. And I think the people in your pub would like that. I love that already. So, so Sindhu, these these two choices, they're not for you. They're just because you need to draft in there. That, that's, the, that's the vibe, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't drink that stuff. I don't give yeah. a shit personally. But, <laughs> you know, but also, I always... The, 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 the thing is, Robin, people say to me, Sindhu, you always have an opinion. I do, because the shit has happened to me, so I have an opinion. Mm. There was a guy I wanted to shag. He liked Guinness. I bought him Guinness. Whatever happened next. Uh, IPA. I like the people who asked me, can, you ha- can I have some IPA? And I think, okay, fine. So I have an opinion. I don't have to drink the stuff. Sure, sure. Good point. And also it means that your your pub will attract many different people who you may want to yeah. entertain. Yeah, interesting men and shaggable men. What the fuck else do you need? And it'd be wonderful if it was the same person, but we don't need them to be the same. One I want to talk to, one I want to do something else with. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, let's move on to your bottled (laughs) choices. (laughs) (laughs) This is literally one of the most authentic podcasts of me ever. That's great. I just love the idea of someone who's really into pubs listening to this and just like, (laughs) it's just about shagging people. It's great. Oh, that's lovely. I mean, not just about shagging people. There no, is the IP guys that you want to talk to. Talk but to hey, yeah, pu- pubs play a big part in, in lovemaking. Are you joking <laughs> me? Wait till you hear the name of my favorite pub. Anyway, uh, the, my favorite name for a pub. Sorry, the bottle choices. I have these. Um, one is, well, I don't know if it's a bottle, but it's a can. That's fine. I would like gin and tonic in a can. Gin and tonic in a can, train cans. I love Mm. that. I love Mm. that. And the other thing I would like is tiny little bottles of champagne. 
Ah. Oh, nice. Like little sort of 175 yeah. mil ones. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They're so fun to drink with a straw because you feel so fucking decadent. You think, oh, my God, I'm drinking champagne from a straw. And it's like cool with the little bottle. It's just makes you feel sexy, even like if you're having a fat day or something. Sorry, can I say that? I'm sorry. Oh, of course my God. you can you say whatever you like. Um, no, but, what? you know, I don't. I, by the way, no offense to people who have those days all the time and feel it's fine. What sort of any specific brand of champagne that you like? Because you talked about champagne being your sort of gateway booze. Uh, Laurent Perrier pink, but they don't have a small bottle, but if they could. Well, why don't we just get you a big straw? No, because I like the small bottle. Because if you drink a big bottle of champagne with a straw, you're clearly psychotic. Mm, mm, That's not my mm. vibe. I'm elegant. Elegant and psychotic are two different vibes. I'd like elegant. Elegant with your tiny bottle of champagne and your straw. (laughs) Small bottle of Laurent Perrier pink great. with a straw. And... Do you have any sort of memories of gin and tonic in a can? Because cause I think that's often people's first drink of the night on the train into town or whatever. Oh, oh my God. Brighton Comedia. Uh, like, I think it was my first time getting like a 15 or 20 minute spot. Abby Galaya was the MC, Abby Galaya Shaman. And I was delighted that I'd got this 20 minutes. I couldn't believe it. And I killed, which of course is like, you, you never know when that's going to happen. It was great. They made to run for the last train from Brighton. And I jumped on the train. And before the train, Abby Galaya, who seemed to have done this so much, and she's such a great comic, she was like, let's run in. I think there's an M&S or something. And she said, do you want a gin and tonic? And I was like, yeah. She was like, they're in a can. I'd never seen it in my life. I was like, what? The whole thing. She said, yeah. I said, oh, my God. Let <laughs> me put some in our basket. I put crisps in. We went. We bought them. I've never had such a tasty beverage in my life. And I put away so many cans of that. Oh, my God. When you have like a little sort of booze-up feast on the last train home with someone, it's so nice. It feels so sort of special. I know. And, you know, I have to say, if I... The thing is, those days, I had three... My three children were very small. I was still... I wasn't feeling my way through comedy, as in I knew this is what I have to do. I I loved it so much, but I didn't, I couldn't see, I didn't need to see, but I couldn't see also the path. So it was about every gig, if that makes sense. There was no path. It was like every time you got a call, I had no agent. So every time you got a call saying, would you like to do 15 or 20? You were like, oh my God, I won the lottery. So in that way, it was still a time of great magic for me. Because bear in mind, I was a mother of three children. I thought my path was set. I came upon comedy and comedy. Stand-up is my home. I just didn't know it. It's your forever home. It's my forever. I mean, stand-up is my home. I'll, it, it, uh, one of the greatest compliments I got was six months ago when someone said to me, it's crazy to me. I know that if you never... If all this fell away, the movie, everything else, you would still go and gig and it would give you great joy. And I said, yes, it would. And I was lucky that I didn't need, I didn't at the time need to necessarily earn a living from it. So that gave me some mental peace, but I was very dedicated to it. So I thought, where is this going? And I didn't, so in that moment to have a great gig, be on a train with such an established comic as Abby Galaya. And then have gin and tonics out of a can, but the whole thing was mixed and it was so tasty. I was like, what's happening? I loved it so much. And it was really magical for me. It really was. I know it might sound lame to other people, but it was really magical for me. 
there's magic in those cans. Well, we we take a break from creating Sindhu V's dream pub to hand over to the Moon Underwater's resident pub quiz expert, the one Mr. Robin Allender. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thank you, John. How do you feel about pub quizzes, Cindy? Well, I hate losing shit, so every time (laughs) I've been in a pub quiz... I've got really upset because they ask all these questions that have to do with UK trivia. I didn't grow up here. Right. And then one time I tried to win a pub quiz by Googling and people are like, you can't do that. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, I want to win. Sure. So I, I feel like if there was a pub quiz on stuff I knew, I would love it. But I, I kind of shy away from them because there's all like, remember the 1985 TV show? I'm like, dude, I didn't live here. What are you talking about? I mean, El- El- Ellis makes this point very eloquently, but when people talk about history they what they mean is english history 100 percent. no one ever asks me about anything to do with the rest of the world it's always like england 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 and i'm like i know a lot about english history though because we learned that in india because we're like here's those guys that we asked to leave this is the shit they did we know that but you also ask about uk trivia yes i don't know the answer to those questions so Frankly, I find pub quiz a little bit trying. Okay, slightly misjudged this week's pub quiz then, but let's see how we do. But it's not for you, it's for it's for our <laughs> listeners, but please take part as well if you if you want to. I'll try. This week's pub quiz, um, again, there's no prizes except for the fun of taking part. We've got we've got five questions this week. And you can join us in part two for the answers. And this week it's such a simple quiz. It's how old are these celebrities at the time of recording? Lovely. Not a, like a random point in the past. There's a great Alan Bennett line uh, in one of his plays, which is, she said, how old was Nelson Mandela? I said, when? It's great. So <laughs> we're asking for the, how old are they now? <laughs> you know. Um, so question one, how old is writer of the Rocky Horror Show and presenter of The Crystal Maze, Richard O'Brien? Okay. 60. We'll, we'll we'll go through the answers in the next part, but you know you can you can make notes if you want, Cindy. <laughs> I'm just going to jump in with my answer. Sixty years old. He's sixty. Okay. Question two. It's 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 your friend of mine, Dame Judi Dench. Question three. Keanu Reeves. How old is Keanu? Question four. It's Mr. Andy Peters. Oh, lovely. And question five is Sir Paul McCartney. How old is Paul McCartney? Oh, Sir Paul Macca McCartney. Who doesn't know that? Mm. Great questions, Robin. Thank you very much. And folks, we leave you now at the end of part one of Sindhu V's trip to the moon underwater, where so far we have Guinness and Rebellion IPA. We also have gin and tonic in a can, where magic lies therein. And 175 ml bottles of Laurent Perrier pink champagne drunk through a straw to feel decadent. Uh, so thank you very much, and we will see you in part two.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.